right, so Family Sunday. Uh, I know that sometimes Family Sunday, it feels like it's not for everybody. It feels like we cater this thing just to families with kiddos, and then we know that's not everybody in here. Some people are single. Some people are married without kids. Some people are retired, and their kids are grown up, and, and we know that. But uh, I want to say that the one in one practical way, you're right, but in another way, again, this is all God's family. Like, th- we need to press into being the family of God. It's a, it's a very American idea to kind of close off and have walls and not invite people into our homes and, and spend life communally. And it's a very Christian idea, though, to, to kind of dive into that biblical community. And so I'm actually going to invite up Jess Tenery, our children's ministry director. Will you guys give her a hand and thanks for all that she does? Jess is a rock star for us. She uh, not only leads our children's ministry, she was an intern for us a few years ago, and we just, like, as we gave her more responsibility, she uh, stewarded it well and led well. And even this summer, she had so much going on on her plate, and then she led Guatemala for us. And so she's only 21, and so I think I'm so thankful for leaders like Jess who are young and seek God and are virtuous and responsible. And so today, since it is Family Sunday, we're going to kind of co-teach together. We're going to be kind of awkwardly next to each other, um, teaching at each other's shoulders, essentially. And so uh, we d- we're doing that because we want to include kind of like all facets of our church. Um, we love Jess. You guys should love Jess. Look to bless her and care for her. And uh, if you complain about her, don't. And so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so let's hop into this idea that the Bible is about God, okay? So uh, a few years ago, I had a k- kindergarten student named Julia. Maybe I shouldn't say her name. But uh, I had this kindergarten student, and I'm pretty sure she was a Christian student because she was always answering God and Jesus for different things. And so one day, I, I go up to Julia, and I just say, Julia, what's life all about? I, I'm kind of a weird teacher. I just say weird things like this to kids all the time. And I say, what's life all about? And she looks at me, and without missing a beat she just goes waiting it's about waiting life is all about waiting and i was like what like that's pretty bleak like what's going like what's i was like what do you mean by that she's like it's just everything is waiting like i i'm just i'm standing in line all the time like life is about waiting and i was like okay (laughs) i i don't know if that's quite right julia and and then like we would like line up to go to recess and she'd be like see mr g see here we are again, wait, like she was always convinced that life was about waiting, and so we wanted to embarrass your kids just like that, and so we had Jess ask a bunch of the kids in the church and their parents to ask their kids two questions, what is life all about, and what is the Bible all about, and she got some good answers back, so I'll let her kind of talk about that. I'm also going to call out some of the parents, I'm pretty sure you guys asked about the Bible first, Um, unless your kids, yeah, unless your kids really, I mean, that's great. We're discipling our kids really well. But some of the best ones that we got, um, what is life all about? One kid said, I don't know. <laughs> another said living. <laughs> Me either, dude. Um, another said family, being kind, honoring God, being nice, working. Working, yikes. Workaholic. Life is all about working. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, learning. And life is all about golf. Golf. That's one of our kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, yeah, again, you weren't supposed to email randy or anybody (laughs) like that like uh no adults um well tell us Um, why do they answer about the bible (laughs) and then for the bible um we have some really good answers for this we got jesus god and talking to god um loving jesus and being kind and generous and sweet and that's all (laughs) um real stuff miracles and another one (laughs) maybe putting 
I did not. Same kid that said golf, so good oh, stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hopefully he's a golfer in the future. <laughs> yeah. And then one kid said Goliath. They just said, what's the Bible <laughs> about Goliath? I forgot that one. Fair I enough. also just asked like another kid between services, and she goes, Mama. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> to both. And I was like, all right, that's fair. Wow, which kid is that? We need to work <laughs> with that parent. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyways, uh, we read all those to just be silly and fun and just show, like, Sometimes even the kids in our midst, they, they have a misunderstanding of, of what the Bible is all about, what life is all about. And so we just want to say right here, the Bible is all about God. Even though there's all kinds of stories, like stories about a giant, which is confusing. Uh, and even though there's stories like that, even that story is about God. Like all stories in the Bible point to God and who he is and, and his character. And so that's our big idea for for today. The sermon really could be over at this point, but the Bible is about God. And that even as we saw in the Timothy verse, that, that all scripture is breathed out by God. So it's God's word to us about himself. So if the Bible's all about God, that means all life can all be about God. And so just, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about all of life is all for Jesus and kind of connect it to, to this idea. Yeah. So if you have been here for probably more than a week, You've probably heard our phrase, all of life is all for Jesus. You've seen it on the T-shirts. Obviously, we don't have sponsor stickers. Um, but you've, you've heard all of life is all for Jesus. Um, and I think tying that in to the fact that the Bible is all about God actually gives us a lot of freedom um, because also a very American thing is to say that the Bible is all about us and what God wants to bless us with and give us. Um, and I think it's just a lot of freedom to know that the Bible is all about God, that everything that we get the opportunity to do and every way that we get to serve and every hardship we go through we are given this opportunity to glorify God. Um, and the Bible doesn't change just because of who you are and what you're reading in that moment and your context. The reality is, is that like this is a story of redemption and of grace and one that God has already written. Um, and we get this really beautiful opportunity to play into that no matter what, whatever aspect, realm, world you're in. Um, and I say that because I think we lose sight of that in the midst of busyness and getting really caught up in working and in family and life and um there's just this reality that if you're a student like you get to glorify god glorify god in the way that you're doing your studying for tests and the way you do your homework and the way that you interact with and bring light to your classrooms um if you're a parent you get to bring beauty and beauty and community and love to your kids and serve them um and offer them grace when you may never i mean kids can be hard to offer grace to because they push a lot of buttons um yeah, and so I think just tying in this idea that the Bible is all about God also ties into that cultural statement that we have that all of life is all for Jesus. It's not on us. Like, God has already done it, and we get this opportunity to glorify him in whatever aspect, realm, world, occupation. That's the word I was looking for. Whatever you're in. Yes. <laughs> that's great. No, I love that. And so, I, I mean, that's a big reason why we say all of life is all for Jesus, because if the Bible is about God and glorifying God and not about us, then all of our lives then, because the Bible talks about what human life is made for, and it's made for God. And so all of life is all for Jesus. And so when we read the Bible, uh, I think a lot of times we take it and we kind of answer that question in different ways. Even as adults, we say, well, maybe it's about this. I remember I asked Amelie that question a few months ago, and she said, I think the Bible's about obedience. And yeah, obedience is in the Bible for sure, but I don't know if the Bible is about obedience. And so I, I was like, time out. No, I, I, I'm just kidding. But And so I think sometimes... We have to realize, and, and kiddos, this is for you, everything in the Bible is about God. So even the parts where it seems like it's not about God, 
It's about God. So let's take something in the Bible you've probably seen if you read it is uh, the, the list of names where it's like Adam begat this and this and this and this person begat this person and this. And you're like, what is this about? Why is this here? How is this about God? Well, keeping those records helped the people of God to see how God was keeping his promises. And so when they saw these records and they saw how God moved and how God was keeping his covenant, his promise of relationship with, with the people of God, they could see God is a covenant keeper the way he says he is. He's a, he, keeps, he does what he says he's going to do. And so we could look at those lists and we say, man, look at how sovereign God was and how big he was in, in orchestrating all these different families. And yet he still got it and he still brought Jesus about through the people of God. And so we could look to anything in the Bible and go, that's about God. We could look to the rules of the Bible. Like a lot of times I talk to teens and they'll go, I think the Bible is just about rules. It just kind of feels like Christians are kind of just like, these are our favorite rules and that's, and you got to follow our rules. Your rules aren't good. And the Bible, although there's lots of commandments in it, even the commandments point to God, or if you want to call them rules, even the rules point to God. God isn't just sitting up there going, ah, I have this rule and I have this rule and just uh, be kind of kids did that. Like God is actually giving us commandments to reflect who he is. So when you see the rules in the Bible, it points to God. So you could read a rule and you could go, thou shall not lie. And you go, why is God telling us that? Because God never lies. And so you want to look at these ideas in the Bible and look at these different things in the Bible that seem like they're about something else and realize they're about God. Like, I know somebody said the Bible's about miracles, or sometimes pe people say the Bible is about getting to heaven. And you can even look at those things. Miracles show what living with God is like. Heaven, when the Bible talks about heaven, it shows what living with God will be like. There will be restoration. There will be wholeness. And so, again, even these things that seem different than, and, and not about God, they really are about God. You, we just have to look for it and see it. And so that's our big idea for today. The Bible is about God. And so we kind of want to transition in this moment and move in this part of the message to kind of just talk to everybody here, not just the kiddos, and, and maybe some of what we just said is good for the adults too, but we want to talk through some things for us as a family that will help us grow in loving and caring for each other and even discipling our kiddos well. And so we really believe here at Redemption that the parents are the main disciplers of their children. Like they are... God has given you your kids, and that means you are the, like the chief disciple. You are the person that's going to mold them into Jesus most in their life, hopefully. And so as me and Jess were talking about that as we were planning this message, um, she had some really good thoughts on just discipling kids and how to do it well, kind of some best practices. And so we want to talk through some of that, if, if you would take it away, yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things that if you're a parent or, have, again, have been here because I've been up here telling people to volunteer and kids, um, is that our priority is to make sure that the parents are the primary disciplers. The reality is, is that bringing your kids to church on Sunday and sending them back to, ki to kids' ministry is great. They're going to get a lot of awesome Bible stories, people interaction. They're going to learn a lot of things. Um, but the gospel lives outside of these walls, and so I think that um, we need to take it outside. But one of the biggest things in that um, is understanding why the Bible matters, why we can't just live by good morals, but why it actually all has to point to God. Otherwise, it's not, like, we can give our kids good morals, and that's, that's not going to save them. That's not Jesus. Um, yeah, so I think that one thing that's really important to remember is that the Bible can, 
before really getting into it can feel really dry and hard to understand and intimidating. And I still read it and I'm like, I don't know how to say this word. Like, <laughs> um, but for, so if you all don't know this, I became a Christian in high school. And as I started to kind of explore Jesus and what he had to offer, um, I didn't understand the Bible. I was like, what do I have to do? How do I interpret this? Like, this is a cool set of stories. But it took an entire community of people. It took a mentor who's eight years older than me. She's not my mom, but she was an adult who was willing to spend time with me and pour into my life. Um, it took my youth pastor who broke down and explained passages and explained why these rules weren't just, like, killing all the fun in life, but rather actually offered freedom. Um, yeah, and showed me, like, what it meant for the living word of God to really come alive in my life and to motivate me. Um, now, hear not that that happens through parents, that happens through mentors, that happens through friends. Um, but whatever it is, is that the kids, your kids or kids in your life or your friends are going to inherit whatever view you have of the Bible. So I would say that if we're looking through, like, discipleship points, m let the Bible come alive to you. If you read the Bible, if the Bible isn't boring to you, it's not going to be boring to your kids. Um, the Bible is exciting, and it has incredible think ways to live and understandings of why we live the way that we do um and reveals a lot of God's character which is so sweet for for kids and for us everybody needs it um yeah and so I think just as a church it's our it's our job to share that beyond these walls um I say that I'm going to do a little shameless plug if you haven't got one in your parent or if you're not used I don't know um we have the G these Jesus storybook bibles they are beautiful little colored pages bible stories um these are incredible resources for families. I would highly encourage one, if you don't have one, to grab one for you and your kids. Um, and then the other thing is, is that we have activity sheets, which if you have kids, they'll start coming home with in kids' ministry. We're sharing them next week. Um, and they have questions on the side that ask about the lesson that they just learned in class. And it's, um, they're like family discussion starter questions. So I would say, bring that home, put it on your fridge, and ask those kids the, those questions. If you don't have kids and you want to kind of start tying this in one read your own bible so that when another kid or somebody asks you about it you have you can sort of know the answer you can know what you're going towards um yeah the more that you know the bible the more reliable you will be like the more you will rely on it that was what i was trying to say <laughs> you can rely on the Bi bible and i also think that these kids can um and it's our job to to work with our kids to disciple them to answer these questions and to engage them Monday through Saturday as well, not just Sunday morning. Yeah, so uh, if you guys didn't know, a part of our curriculum for the kids is the Gospel Project, which goes through the whole story of the Bible in three years. It's really amazing. It's really good stuff. There's videos. There's all kinds of different stuff. It's not just videos. It's, it's really good teaching. And so along with that well, will be those sheets. And so use them if your parents in the room and ask those questions to your kids. And listen, it's going to be like pulling teeth sometimes. I get it. Sometimes you're like, hey, you know, even just asking your kid, how was school today? And they're like, you know I'm homeschooled. But um, <laughs> but I know that sometimes it's just hard to um, get in those conversations with, with our kids. And so all that to say, press into that, use it. If it doesn't work for you, it, it doesn't work for you. But I think sometimes we as parents, we have to uh, reach our kids where they're at. And we have to really look to serve them and love them in, in knowing the Bible. Because as parents, we, we have this kind of fine line of, uh, of attention of, there's a tension for us where on one side we do have to teach our kids like what does it mean to listen well? What does it mean to be disciplined? What does it mean uh, to go to God's word and even when it's hard and still chase after it? But then on the other hand, the tension for us as parents is 
we should make the Bible accessible to them. We should tell the story of the Bible in a way that, that meets them where they're at. Uh, I, I'm going to share a quick illustration of how I did that, and it's not to lift me up, but if you guys do that, so be it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I know you'll never do that. And so uh, basically, I'm in seminary right now, and in my seminary class last year, we started talking about how the Bible is one story, which was like the first part of this particular Family Sunday series. And what I was noticing was there was all these different leaders and pastors who were saying, I grew up in the church, and I never heard this. I never heard this idea that the Bible is one story, uh, telling the same story about Jesus and so and what he does in his work. And I started to get freaked out because I was like, well, my kids are growing up in the church, and uh, I know some of these people. I know some of the churches that like kind of are where they grew up, and they weren't bad churches necessarily. And so I, I started to go, I need to reach Amelie where she's at. I need to... Uh, engage her in a way that she understands the Bible more deeply on her terms, if that makes sense. And so uh, my Amelie, she's really uh, into art. She loves art. She's going to be a starving artist one day, I think. And so she she's always doing crafts and different things. And and so I said, okay, I'm not good at art, but I'm going to figure out how to incorporate art into the story of the Bible and teaching her that. And so we have a whiteboard at our house. And so we bring the whiteboard in her room and we teach the story of redemption. We break it down, and um, we break it down into six main parts of, of, of the Bible, saying the, the Bible is one story with six parts, and we, we draw one of those parts each night, and she helps me draw it, and even sometimes she comes up with the titles for those things, and so, you know, whenever we get to the, you know, we call part two sin in the garden, um, she's like, can I draw the snake, you know, like, she, like, and it becomes this interactive piece, so then when we go, when we are using the Jesus Storybook Bible or a different Bible, I'll say, hey, what part of the story is this little story in, and she'll be like, oh, that's, that's part four, Jesus saves, like, and so sometimes we have to meet our kids where we're at, we have to figure out what they're into, and, and meet them there, and and, and whatever that might be, and it means us getting out of our comfort zones. It means us doing things that we might not normally do. Maybe your kid's really into action figures, so, you know, you got to make Batman Jesus or something. I don't, I, I don't know how that looks or works, but uh, we, I, I, a big part of our discipleship is meeting kids where they're at. And here's what I know from growing up in the church, and many of you know it too. Sometimes there is just a disconnect between parents and kids where parents never make an effort to meet their kids where they're at. They never humble themselves and stoop down in regards to the Bible. We proclaim the truth well as parents, but we rarely love the way the truth compels us to in order to enter their lives like Jesus entered our lives, like taking on flesh. And so be convicted of that as much as you want, but I just think that's, a, that's something so important for us, for our kids to get God and, and know God and know that the Bible is all about God. I know you, you had a story from somebody in your RC that was sharing what it was like for them to grow up in the church and and kind of the misunderstanding they had about the Bible, too. Yeah, so um, as you said, I was talking to somebody in my RC, grew up in the church, parents loved Jesus. He thought he loved, I don't know, he would, he would tell you he didn't become saved until he was 19. Um, but part of that disconnect for him was the fact that he had never heard the gospel. Um, so in this conversation that we were talking about, he was saying, like, yeah, I could have told you all these stories. I could have told you that the Bible, like, talked about God, and there was a lot of miracles and a lot of cool things happening. Um, but until he was 17 or 18 years old, nobody sat him down and said, hey, God sent his son so that he would die for your sins so that you don't have to work for it anymore. Um, and that was just really kind of rattled 
me, um, especially as being in charge of the kids ministry, I don't, I w- my goal is that our kids would know that, they would hear that, um, that they would know the gospel before they get to 17 years old, before that's like this huge, I don't know, I would hope that they would know it at like three and four, that they would be hearing it every day. Um, yeah, and so I think that that was something that I got to kind of brag on our kids ministry and say, well, we do this one thing, but I would like our church to know that um, through the Gospel Project, we have what's called the Christ Connection. So right now in children's ministry, we're working through Exodus. Um, but even at the end of the lesson, it still says, it, it's literally called the Christ Connection. Um, and it basically just takes whatever story we were just learning about and points it back to Jesus and why it's relevant in their lives and our lives um, on the day-to-day. It's not just these old people, like, really old story about people who were in slavery and then they were free and then they wandered in the wilderness and um, it's not just like this far off distant thing but why that points us back to God points us to Jesus um, and ties it back into that freedom that we get to live in Um, yeah and so I think that that's something that as a church I think that as a church we're working towards it we're doing well I hope I don't know give us feedback Huh? We'll find out in like eight Yeah, years. we'll find out yeah. when our four-year-olds, all <laughs> 14 years when they're all grown up. Um, but to all that to be said, we can, again, we can tell them that on Sunday mornings. Um, and they might get it. That might be awesome. But there's a lot to be lived out in the gospel um, in the every other day. Whether they're your kids, whether they're people that you're interacting with, there's just a lot of the gospel to be lived out, to be shared um, every day. And uh, that's why we're asking parents to take it home. That's why we're asking parents to engage in those conversations, to live in grace and offer that to their kids. Um, But, yeah, to point it to them and help them understand that the gospel matters to each individual person. Yeah. And being that we're a family, if we begin to uh, talk through these ideas together with our kids, we're going to be answering certain questions differently. And then, honestly, like through their life, they're going to be talking with probably these other kids in our church and, and begin to get to this point where they, the wisdom from like Vince and uh, what he gives his kids will go into my kids and they'll hear that wisdom there too. And so, um, so it's, it's really helpful. It's really good to know about. We, we kind of wanted to just throw that in today too, just so you guys can see it, that it's coming down the pipeline here. And, um, now we want to shift and talk, uh, to anyone in here that doesn't have kids. So right, this whole service has felt like very uh, kid-centered and or families with kids, and and, and th- that's just the reality. It, it is a little bit, and that's okay. I think sometimes in the American church, we're like everything has to be the same always. Everybody has to get the same amount of stuff, and I think sometimes fairness is not treating everyone equally, but treating everyone. Um, in a way that I- is healthy and edifying for them. And so sometimes for us, it's good to have a service like this. And so um, we want to take a moment and, and speak towards kind of the singleness aspect in our church and kind of even maybe if you don't have kids. First, I want to say this. If you don't have kids, if you're married or if you're single, we value you. We love you guys. Like you guys are incredible. We don't value families more than you guys. And that needs to be said because I met so many singles in the church who say, like, I feel like I don't matter as much as somebody that's, that's married with, uh, and with kids. And, uh, man, I love the singles in our church. Uh, for the last almost seven years now we've been at church, singles have really, perf- like, pushed this church forward. They've led this church. They've served this church. They love this church. They are right now caring for and loving. If there wasn't singles in our church or even people were married without kids in our church, or uh, those retired, 
in our church, th- this church wouldn't exist. Like all our, thinking through all our interns, mostly are single or married without kids, and they put together this whole event. They make sure all this happens. And so uh, here's what I, I just want those of you that that's kind of your stage. You're not someone with kids, and so you, it could easily feel like, man, they really value kids, and that's all that matters. No, like you really matter as a single person or a retired person or someone that's married without kids. And can the rest of us in this church family, can we just like give them a hand and thank them for all that they do and just thank, thank you for being part of our family. I know it's annoying to be part of our family because it's hard for us that have immediate families with kiddos to not make everything about us because our kiddos are making everything about them <laughs> uh, inadvertently because they need to or they, they don't survive. And so I want to say that. And then here's the thing I want to say to us families, us with kids, we need to do a much better job inviting singles into our families. We need to do a much better job inviting retirees into our families. We need to do a much better job inviting those that are married without kids into our families. What we see in the people of God is a whole family together. Sure, we have uh, individual families that we have responsibilities and uh, even uh, that's what we're called to be part of and disciple and care for. But we, church, families, we need to be better at inviting the full family of God into our individual families too. Th- those, as, as I've been part of the church, I've always been blessed by either singles or married with or without kids, just kind of like being in my life and being in my, my kids' life. And uh, Jess is one of them. Honestly, Jess has always been like, hey, c- when can I watch your kids? What can I do? And my kids love Jess. And so now when Amelie's in kids' church, it's like, she's like, this is my friend who loves me, Jess, that I'm getting to hear God's word from. Or even Andy and Josh, they're married. They don't have any kids right now. But my daughters love Andy because of her pursuit and her love and how she embodies Jesus to them. And so family, we need to do as an act of love, too, we need to bring in those that are not in our immediate family, that are in our family of Christ, in, so that they're loved well, that they're cared for well. They want to love your kids. They want to get to know their ki- uh, your kids. Jesus said, when things were getting pretty tense once, uh, he said, hey, those that follow me get a way bigger family. They get a way bigger family. They get fathers, mothers, sons, brothers, sisters and so we need to live that out those of us that have families that do look like that we need to invite people into our families so that we love them well we care for them well and then uh, the ancillary beautiful thing of that is those people are going to love our kids well and when they hit the teenage years and they don't want to talk to us anymore they'll talk to those people and they'll be like well i'm best friends with your mom so here's what like and they'll give good advice and thoughtful advice and they'll be able to stand back from the situation like we as parents just can't sometimes and so in, include uh the family of god include singles retirees um those that are married without kids because they want to be part of your family just bring them over to dinner and just have them sit at dinner with you and just you know the, you'll see how much of an advocate and a mediator they are because they keep you from yelling at your kids in front of company and so like just invite these people in your life and you'll, you'll begin to see jesus uh i think more in your life honestly and jess uh she's single so noted for you guys um no i'm just kidding um she's single but as we were talking through this uh, i i 
they made jokes there like, oh, you won't say that second service. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to. Um, so it, was, it was worse than the first service. Yeah. It was more of a just in case you were one. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, uh, as we were talking through this, just being single, I think you have a unique perspective on this and even just speaking to other singles. And we'd love to kind of hear your voice in the mix of this. Yeah. So Anthony and I like spent Wednesday morning. We were chatting about what we were going to talk and say. And um, I think a lot of what he's saying about singles is really true. Um, and having lived that, but also being welcomed into a family, it's one thing to be welcomed in the family of God and immediately have brothers and sisters and feel loved. Um, and it's a completely other thing. I feel like there's, uh, there's a couple of families in here, but um, especially like Anthony, Vince, Johnny and Janae, all of their families, it's like, hey, I'm coming over this evening. I just want people to be around. Um, and it really is. Like their kids are such a blessing to me. I hope that I'm a blessing to you guys. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it's, it's such a gift to get to be part of a family and to really, like God talks about adopting people into his family all the time um, and to feel that in a really tangible way. Um, but I think what is really hard for a lot of single people or married without kids is to feel like you aren't there yet. Like, oh, I'm not married yet, so I can't hang out with the married people. I don't have kids yet, so I can't hang out with other people with kids. Um, and although you will hear me complain about it, I'm, it just is like really hard to hear that because I think that being single is such a gift. Um, you have so much more time. You have freedom to kind of do what you want. I mean, follow Jesus, more importantly. But you don't have to report. You don't have to say, like, hey, I'm going over to this person's. You can just go, and you can just be a blessing. Um, so my first call to the other single people would be stop looking at your singleness as, like, this curse that you just need to move on to the next phase of life. Um, and start using it to spend that time to go and find things that you love. Go on spontaneous road trips with your friends. Go disciple young people younger than you. Um, just go find something that you love and are passionate about and then invest in it. Um, you have more time right now than you probably ever will. And I know students will say, like, oh, I'm so busy. Trust me, I get it. Um, busyness is a thing, but you do have more free time. You aren't concerned with your husband and your kids and all those things. Um, use this time to be a blessing. In addition to that, I'm not saying that everybody's passion is children. That's fine if it's not. Um, but families, I can't tell you enough how much it means to let your kids, like, let your kids be invested in, but also to welcome other people in. Um, every time I see somebody, and I see a lot of them that have new babies, I see most of the new babies, um, I always, like, they're three days old. I'm holding them, like, don't worry when you're 13 and don't want to tell your mom anything. Like, you can come to the cool Aunt <laughs> Jess and just talk to me. Um, because that's a reality for me. Like my passion is kids, and I hope that one day Amelie is thirteen. And is like, not. Well, I hope she wants to talk to you guys. But I also like if she was like, She'll I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to Jess. Great. Then she has another adult who loves Jesus and wants to pour into her life. Um, and I think that can be a really mutually beneficial thing. And so my advice to families would be: let those people in. Um, please know that I really want to love on your kids and be there and talk through the hard things. I'll tell you what you need to know. Um, but on it, like on that kind of note, um, and I know that for me in high school, it was really it was life changing to have an adult who cared for me and loved me um, that wasn't my parents. I mean, mom's great, but sometimes you just need to have a different adult. So all of that to be said, if you're single, go find what you're passionate about, go dive into it, go do ministry in whatever area is your calling and your blessing and where you should be spending your time. Um, and families, let us love you. Let yeah. us be near you. <laughs> Honestly, and uh, honestly, I say this too, like single people, we need you sometimes to press in, you know, some something 
uh, about Jesus' love is sometimes it's a little bit intrusive. If you watch how he is with Zacchaeus and he's just like, hey, we're going to your house, that's intrusive. And so sometimes... And I uh, do that. <laughs> yeah. And so you're, yeah, you're, you're very Christ-like. And so, uh, and so uh, just know that too. Like, uh, we, we need you for that. We, even families that think they don't need you for that, we do need you for that. And I think we're all called to love everybody in the family of God, not just the people that we specifically get along with, right? And again, Jesus is a great model for this because as the kids were probably interrupting all sorts of things he was doing, he could let the children come to me. And so we need uh, everybody in our church to, to love the world well, to know God better and, and all that. And so, um, Jess, thanks so much for sharing on that singleness. I'll keep praying that God keeps you single for the rest of your life. So... Uh, <laughs> since it's such a blessing <laughs> and uh <laughs> and uh but hey normally how we close sermons is i'll pray and then we'll move into reflection time but again we want to push against this idea of uh prayer as performance and push into the idea that prayer is just talking to god and we can do that in groups and there's something beautiful about that when we do that in groups and so here's what i want you guys to do get back in your groups as annoying as it might be and and pray if you're not the praying type i didn't say this earlier you don't have to pray you can just sit there awkwardly uh, but, uh, and pray some of these things. Did any of these things stick out to you? Did any of these things um, you felt convicted about? Pray that you could understand the Bible better. Maybe you're right now starting to have doubts about Goliath. Pray about that. Like, whatever it is, pray about those things and, and get together. And I'll give you guys a couple minutes to do that. And then we'll come back together and we'll move right into a response time, okay? So go ahead and pray now. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that we get this time together to spend as a family and th that this is worship too, is talking through these issues and, and looking for ways we can deepen our love uh, for one another and that ultimately that our love for you. And so God, help us, help that love to deepen. God, for everybody in this room that's under 18, God, I, I just pray that for whatever reason, you have like a special anointing on our church